listening to a Clovis Hills podcast. You're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. That is awesome. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing? Nice, nice, nice. Um, Hey, I want to, one, I want to welcome all my friends online. And those that are watching right now at our Old Town campus, everyone say hi to our Old Town campus. It's up to them. And thank you, Sharice. We didn't know when to bring the podium up. Um, so now we do. So, hey, um, man, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, that's all you're going to get from me. Uh, I'm not doing a sermon on love like every other church in America. Um, it's really interesting, Valentine's Day, because, like, here's a day named after a guy that was beaten with clubs, beheaded, buried in the cloak of darkness, and then um, his body exhumed days later to be buried again by his followers. But we give away chocolate. So, um, (laughs) but here's the thing. Uh, We're starting a whole new series today, and I'm I'm not doing a sermon on love. Uh, It always, it's always weird to me because, like, I, I don't, I always tell my pastor friends, I'm like, don't you know, like, half your church is single? And, you know, you, every, every Valentine's Day, you're like, ooh, love. You know, like sometimes you, you don't want to do that. It's just like on Super Bowl Sunday, don't talk to me about the Chargers, okay? My day will come, okay? But I just, I, so what we're going to talk about today is the heart of God. So I have, um, <laughs> I have this bulldog, and her name is Stella. And if you've ever seen an English bulldog, they're what I like to call an abomination from God. They should not exist in nature. Um, in order for her to be born, she had to be artificially inseminated. She had to have, the, her mother had to have a C-section. Uh, they have all kinds of health issues. Uh, hip, hip dysplasia is super common in these dogs. Um, and it's just kind of how it is. But they're like these little moving fire hydrants. They're really, they're funny. They're just fun to have. And um, so Stella, we decided early on that she was not allowed upstairs because uh, every time she would go down the stairs, she would roll down it like a bowling ball. Like she just couldn't control herself going down. And we were afraid she was going to hurt herself. So now whenever we're upstairs, like she's just so curious. She wants to be up there so bad. And she's standing on the steps like, what's up there? Is it like a land of rainbows and unicorns and Skittles and... You know, and every now and then she'll sneak upstairs and she realizes it's not that great. It's no different than downstairs. And the truth is what she knows is it's not that the upstairs is great. It's, it's really the, who is upstairs? Her master. And she wants to see me. So whenever I come downstairs to her, she pops up and she freaks out. As a matter of fact, in the morning, if she hasn't seen me all night, Kelly gets up, lets her out of her kennel. She gets out of the kennel, she sits by the fire, she does her thing, and then when I come downstairs, she knows, you know, her, her master is coming, and she celebrates. Like, she freaks out. Here, I have a little video, so you can just kind of see what she does. It's like, scratch me now, come on. And, and here, here's the thing, is every time I do that, that happens. It's sheer joy for her. Because here's why. She knows um, 
her master has come. The one who feeds her. The one who loves her. The one who um, really supplies her with purpose. Who also scratches her booty. But she knows her master's heart for her. And she celebrates. See, and I think sometimes as Christians, we get so caught up on getting to heaven, getting upstairs, that we forgot the master came downstairs for us. That Jesus is here for you today. In this place, in this moment, wherever you are, wherever you're watching, whatever room you're watching in. So, we're starting this series called Sinners, Saints, and Sufferers. And um, I think that applies to all of us in this room and all you watching um, in other rooms. By the way, bear with me on this. This is like a new way of preaching. Like there's people in the room. There's people online. There's people across town. In two weeks, there'll be people in the, uh, you know, in the venue as well. Like I'm talking to people all over. So it's a whole new way of learning to preach and interact with those people. But, but here's what I know. Every one of us fall into one of those categories, a sinner, a saint, or a sufferer, sometimes all three. And if 2021, 2020 hadn't taught you anything, 2021 might. So we're starting this series, and um, it, it's rooted out of, um, out of Matthew 11. And I want to give you a little context before I read Matthew 11, 25 through 30. See, Jesus has um, actually just cursed these two cities. So sometimes we picture Jesus as this kind of mamby-pamby little like, oh, I want to give everyone a hug. That, that wasn't Jesus at all. As a matter of fact, when Jesus returns, the Bible says he's coming with the sword in his mouth. He's coming to judge. So, so he, he can, you know, he kind of runs the gamuts of human emotions. He is God and he is fully man and he is the perfect man. So he runs the gamut of all those emotions. And he, was, he went to these cities, Bethsaida and Chorazin, and he performed miracles there. And everyone loved the miracles. They loved that he could feed people. They loved that he could heal people. But they didn't believe in him. They didn't put their faith in him. They didn't trust him. They didn't think he was the Messiah, the, their Savior. And I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of people that think they're Christians that are very similar. That they love God's blessings. They love the things of Jesus. But to make Jesus their Lord is a whole other animal. And he ends up cursing him. As a matter of fact, in verse 24... He finishes it and he says, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom, the famous story in the Old Testament of Sodom and Gomorrah, on the day of judgment than for you, Bethsaida and Corazon, who he's referring to. So, here's the thing. God has all kinds of characteristics. God is love, right? Hello? Okay, thank you. Sing on. God is love, but God is also just. God is also gracious. God is also, um, you know, has wrath. He has all of these different attributes. So, and we'll get into that later. But there's, there's, here's the thing. 
There is one thing inside, inside God in his heart that he, he tells us. I, I, I forgive me. Two things that he tells us about his heart. There's all kinds of attributes about him. But in this series, we're going to learn about God's heart for you and me, for all, for all of us. And I think this passage out of Matthew 11, 25 through 30 explains it best. Now, I'm going to encourage you, wherever you're at, uh, if you're over in Old Town or you're here in the room or if you can't at home, we're going to do this again, is we're all going to rise in honor of God's word and we're going to read from the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father of heaven and of earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, right? That's Bethsaida and Chorazin. And you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Just take a deep breath and soak that in for a second. I'm going to read it again. And take another breath after you hear that. Just soak that, that truth in. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word. You may be seated. There was a guy named Charles Spurgeon. They called him the prince of, the, of preachers back in the day. And uh, he points out that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of places in Scripture that describe God. And God has all kinds of attributes. And I, I kind of explained that before. Um, we're a little different in the sense that, okay, all of us have love, but we love to a limit. It's like, we're like a pie, right? And there's a slice that's love, but there's also a slice that's just. And there's a slice that's good. And there's a slice that's... God is 100% love. He's 100% lust. Lust. Just. Sorry. Slip of the tongue. Someone's going to isolate that audio. It's going to become their ringtone. But anyways. <laughs> you heard the pastor. God is lust. No. Just. So. But there's only one place in this whole book where it actually describes the heart of God. That if you peel back the curtain, you, you get to see God's heart for you. Now, a, a great example is, and, and it, can, it can break down too because, uh, let, let's be honest, all of our parents are flawed, and I'm a flawed parent. Um, I married, I'm a mess. I married a hot mess named Kelly. And, and we are, we're flawed people, and we created three little flawed people. They're all getting bigger than me. But the, the whole point I, ma I make is um, if you pull back my heart for my children, I love them. 
It doesn't mean I don't punish them. It doesn't mean I don't discipline them. It doesn't mean um, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, sometimes want things to be harder for them or I want things to be easier. Like, but if you pull back my heart, it's I love them. And this is what I want you to understand about God. This one place in scripture where you pull back the curtain and you get to see the heart of everything that God is, it, 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 it's, it's this. It says, it doesn't say that um, he's strict and demanding of heart. Although God sometimes can be strict. Sometimes God can be demanding. It doesn't say that he's exalted and dignified in heart. Although God is exalted and dignified. It doesn't say in the scripture that he's joyful and generous of heart. Although he is joyful and generous. What does it say? It says he is gentle and humble in his heart. For you and me. Now, some of you, if, we're, if you're really honest, you, you do the same thing we all do, is you kind of delineate between Jesus and God. So Jesus is the, you know, you, and this is false thinking, I want you to understand. It's not biblical thinking, and we, we all do it to a degree. That Jesus is like the nice guy of the New Testament. He's the one that loves. He's the one full of grace and full of mercy. And God is like the bad cop. And he's the one that punishes. He's going to get angry. And he's, gonna, he's the one that's going to give you a canker sore, you know, if you don't go to church. Or he's gonna, you're going to get a speeding ticket or bad things happen and God did it. But Jesus loves me. And I want you to understand something. That's actually a heresy. Jesus is God. He even says here, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. The Apostle Paul points it out that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That when you see Jesus, you see God. When you see Jesus' heart, you see God's heart for you. They're identical. They're one and the same. So I want to talk to you about the two words, gentle and humble, today. And it's not prescriptive. This isn't a sermon meant to teach you how to be gentle and humble. It, here, here's, here's what I, I want you to have today. Um, I just want to give you Jesus. I want to show you who he is. Every week when I walk up to preach, there's a little plaque on my podium here. And it says, hello, sir. We want to see Jesus. And it's meant to remind me that that, that is what I'm supposed to give God's people, is Jesus. And I want to peel back the curtain so you can see his heart and just see how crazy he is about you. I spent the last couple months beating you up over how political we all are online. I just want to give you Jesus. So I want to talk to you about that word gentle because he says I'm gentle and humble in heart. It's a Greek word, praes, in verse 29. It's mentioned two other times in the New Testament. The other place it's mentioned is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gets in front of all this crowd and he preaches the most prolific words in human history. And in it, in Matthew 5, 5, he says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the praes. It, it means meek, gentle, um, they're, 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 they're synonyms together. There's another place in the scripture where, where it uses this same word. And it's in Matthew 21 and it's on Palm Sunday. And see, Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives on this donkey. 
And a lot of people, you know, they just think it's like a thing. He came on a donkey. Okay, whatever. Um, donkeys are humble. But you, you have to understand, there was more to this that was going on. It, it was all kinds of statements being made. But I want you to know, Orthodox Jews, one of the things they, will believe, they believe is that the Garden of Eden was it right where the Garden of Gethsemane was. Right outside the gates of Jerusalem. And when Adam and Eve had sinned and disobeyed God, the Bible says in Genesis that they were cast east of Eden. And the first Adam was cast east of Eden. And when Jesus came down the Mount of Olives, you may not know directionally or all that, but the Mount of Olives is due east of, 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 of Jerusalem. So he comes down the Mount of Olives into the Garden of Gethsemane, which would be Eden. So the first Adam's cast out of, out of Eden. And Jesus, the second Adam, the true Adam, the true man comes into Eden to bring us back to God. The people watching that day had no clue. They just knew the Messiah would put his foot on the Mount of Olives and come down into Jerusalem and enter the eastern gate of the temple. But as he's coming down on this donkey, see, the prophet Zechariah had prophesied. And it says in Matthew 21, 5, it says, Say to, the, to daughter Zion, that's Jerusalem, See your king comes to you, gentle, price, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus, here's what I want you to understand. He comes to you, gentle. Preachers, we can get fiery. Can I get an amen? Right? And sometimes we like that, and sometimes... We, we get a little too hard on our congregations. But Jesus comes gentle. I don't know a better way to describe it except for a story I heard from uh, John Wooden. If you don't know who John Wooden is, John Wooden is probably one of the greatest coaches of all times. He coached the UCLA Bruins to 10 national championships. Um, he was known as the Wizard of Westwood. He coached some of the biggest personalities and egos that could ever be. And he did it with just a different style than all the other coaches. Most coaches are, are yelling and trying to fire their team up and trying to scare them. And you're not going to start if you don't do it right. Go run laps. Do some push-ups. Do that. And John Wooden was this just gentle soul. And he led his team to greatness as, as, a, as a gentle soul. Bill Walton talks about his very first practice as a freshman at UCLA. He comes in wearing his Grateful Dead shirt with his big blonde afro, high on weed, just, you know, kind of, and who is this guy? He's a straight-laced, perfect picture of the man, the system. And John Wooden proceeded to have all the athletes, seniors to freshmen, sit down, and he gave a lesson on how to tie your shoes. And he was like, what is this? This is stupid. He's telling the coach, it's stupid. We all know how to tie our shoes. We're grown-ups. We can do this. And what John Wooden was trying to say is, listen, your feet are the basis of everything you do basketball-wise. And if you don't tie your shoes right, if, you're, if you don't do this right, it's going to affect everything from the top up. They, they, they thought he was crazy. And this was how he was. He was just very gentle and methodical. And he tells a story. I read his book. And there's been thousands of books written on leadership about him. Because it, he was so different. And they asked him, Coach, how, how, how do you lead athletes, these alpha males, so gently? 
He said, oh, I learned it from my father. My father was a farmer. And he tells a story about his dad in, um, back in Indiana as he was a child. And in their town, they had this uh, giant gravel pit that was super deep. And you had to ride you know, your horse and buggies down into it to get gravel for the, for the farm. And one day they were going to get gravel for the farm. And they're in their, they got their plow horses and their buggy. And they're, they're ready to go down into this deep pit, scoop some up and, and pull out. And as they get there, there's a, a young farmer and he has these two beautiful plow horses. And they're not making it up. It's too steep. They've got too much gravel. And this young farmer's just beating them, whipping them, yelling at them. Come on, you stupid horses. You, you can... Uh, you know, and he's just so angry and the horses are frothing at the mouth and they're rearing up and they just, they don't have enough strength to pull the, this stuff up the hill. And he's getting more and more angry and uh, Coach Wooden's dad says, stay here. And he got off, his, off, off the buggy and he went down and he's talking to this young farmer and he could see this young farmer getting angry and I'm sure he was like, these horses need to go to the glue factory. If I had horses like yours, I could get out of here. I can't believe, you know. And, um, his dad asked this young farmer, well, could, could, I, could I give it a try and try and get him up the hill? And, you know, the young farmer's like, whatever, sure, fine. You know, and the horses are upset and doing all the horsey stuff. I don't know stuff about horses. I just know they go, eh, you know, they freak out sometimes. <laughs> and he proceeds to just kind of, as they're kicking and rearing up, Calmly walk around and stand in between the two of them. Put his hand on both of them and just start petting them. After a minute or so, they calm down a little bit. He starts whispering to them. And he grabs the bridle and the bit. And just kind of gently takes a step forward. Another step, they begin to take steps with him. Takes another step, they take a step with him. After a few steps... He proceeds to turn around and face them. And he just holds, holds the reins. And he begins to just walk backwards slowly. And these horses begin to walk. And these horses that couldn't make it out of the pit with no problem just walked right out. See, I think, I think that sometimes we, we see God as the one whipping and screaming at us, and that's not him. Jesus gently and humbly leads us to where we are. Now, I'm gonna be honest, there are times in my life where I probably need a good like, come on, wake up, come on, dummy, you know? But those are so far and few between in my, in my walk with Jesus, where really he's patiently walked me through my sin, with my sin. And we even sang about it. In, Ro in Romans, it says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not the, oh, I'm a worm, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm that. It, it, it's not that at all. And see, Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. He knows everything you struggle with. He knows your hurts, your habits, your hangups, the things that are keeping you from becoming the person he created you to be. And he's not mad. He's not whipping. He's just saying, take my yoke. My way is far easier. Gently leading you to him. And see, 
what happens is, is we project what our parents were onto God. And for many of you, I need you to understand this, that Jesus' most natural position is not a pointed finger, but open arms. But open arms. The other thing is Jesus is humble. He said he is gentle and humble of heart. Now, humility, um, a lot of times we, we think humility is, oh, I'm a worm, but, but that's not really what it means. And I heard this story, and this is probably the best way to illustrate it. There was um, this, the, this monastery. And I don't know what the, I didn't grow up Catholic, so I don't know what the word is for the chief monk, the boss monk, the monk in charge. Monsieur monkey, I don't know. But he was the boss of the whole monastery. And he's walking through the monastery one day and he sees the chapel and he kind of walks in the chapel and takes a deep breath and he's just overwhelmed by the presence of God. And the way it works, if you've ever really felt the presence of God, is it, it's not a bad thing, but, but sometimes what happens is you just realize how gracious God is, how loving God is, and how unworthy we are of, of, of having it, but he just keeps lavishing us. And he's overwhelmed by it. He's moved to tears. And he runs to the altar, and he falls on his knees, and he says, Lord, I am nothing. I am nothing. And he's just praying, and he's just so grateful, and he just keeps crying out, I'm nothing. I'm nothing, Lord. And then um, his number two guy, the number two guy in charge, walked by and saw him up front at the altar, and he's crying, and he gets moved by it and the spirit of God comes on him and he comes running to the altar and they both start crying I'm nothing and now it's making a commotion and all the other monks are coming and the monk in charge of music sees it and the monk in charge of administration and the monk in charge of the food and they're all coming and they're overwhelmed by the presence of God and they're crying I'm Lord I'm nothing Lord I'm nothing and then finally the janitorial monk they gotta have a monk in charge of the toilets right he comes in and he's like, what is going on? And he sees revivals broke out. And he's moved by it. And he runs forward, falls at the altar. And he starts crying out, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. And then, of course, the monk in charge looks at the number two monk and says, huh, look who thinks he's nothing. That was a joke. But anyways, um, the point of the joke, it's funnier when I have to explain it's a joke, huh? Um, the, the point of the story, though, is this, is like, e even in our humility, we judge other people. All the time. We judge their level of it, their level of sincerity. Their... And see, hum humility ultimately is not um, thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm a worm. Oh, I'm a worm. It's thinking about yourself less and putting others first. And this is what Jesus does. He doesn't think of himself. He thinks of you. And see, Jesus, who does he say? He says, come to me, all who are weary. He doesn't, he doesn't send anyone away empty-handed. He says, take my yoke, come to me, all who are weary. And Jesus sends none away empty, only those who are full of themselves. That's what I want you to know. And if you can come to a place in your life where you just say, no, I want Jesus. And you can lay your way down. And it's not about getting what you want from God, but just getting God. You'll be shocked. The things that can happen. It says in James 4, 16, it says, Humble yourselves 
and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Uh, I just want to remind you, because sometimes I, I had a friend once and he, we were praying and he was like, Lord, just, just humble me, make me humble. And I stopped in mid-prayer, I go, bro, don't do that. And he's like, huh, what? You're not supposed to interrupt prayer. I was like, don't ask God to humble you. And he was like, why? And I go, because it sucks. <laughs> Bible says humble yourself. Way easier. And see, Jesus' heart for you, because his heart is humble, it's for you. And you may come today and you're just glad to be back in person, but the last year spiritually has not been good for you. And church online didn't do well for you. And you, you found more reasons to not watch online than you did actually coming in person. And maybe um, spiritually your soul is weary and weak. I, want, I just want to remind you what Jesus is saying to you. He's not mad. He's not pointing his fingers. He's saying, come, all who are weary. And I'll give you rest. But I want to remind you that rest, that gentle, humble heart are for only, only for those who will come to him. Unless you come to get it, you won't get it. And the question is, do you want Jesus? Do you want that heart? I didn't share this in the last service, but um, probably in the spring, someone gave me this book, Gentle and Lowly. And it's on that, the very subject. And I remember reading it and it blew my mind and then I read it again and then I read it a third time and um, just finished my fourth read of it. And God really did something in my heart. It just, it rocked me. And I thought it was the book. And I was like, oh, the book, the book. You gotta read this book, you gotta read this book. And for some people, they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. And then other people read it and were like, yeah, that's fine. And here's what I realized, it wasn't the book. It's the gentle and humble-hearted Jesus, and he, he used this book, it's just a book, to draw me to him. But what I want to do is use the book, the book, to give you him. <laughs> the Bible says very clearly, but as many as received him, to those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. That, that that's an act of faith. You have to receive him. It says also very clearly that if you believe with your mouth and or believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Jesus offers himself to you, but you have to receive him. He says, come to me, but you have to go to him. And I can tell you many years ago, that was the best decision I ever made in my life. And it could be yours. For some of you, you already know Jesus. You have a relationship with him, but maybe today's just a day of repentance. It's just a day to come home to him. What, you know, we have these signs that say, welcome home, right? Maybe your soul's been weary. My hope is this is a day you find rest, that he's forgiven you, he loves you, there's no condemnation for you. But for those of you, if you don't know where you stand with God, I want to encourage you, receive him, invite him in, come to him.
you come to him, he will come to you. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer right now. Maybe just bow your heads, close your, close your eyes, wherever you're at. 